after further reveal. What is going on, everyone? Episode 34 of After Further Review, back at it with another fun and exciting episode. Boys, I didn't think this would be our biggest one yet. We had 20, we had 25, we had 30, but you already know number 34. Let's get it. First ever guest tonight. We're so excited and yeah, let's dive right in. All right. We're excited to have our next guest joining us on the Zoom call. Our first guest ever in show history and our first time talking to our next guest. He just wrapped up his first season of professional baseball, currently a top 15 prospect in the Minnesota Twins organization. Everyone, please welcome Corey Lewis to the show. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Doing good. How are you guys? Good, good. We're excited to have you. We like, like I said, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak with us and, you know, Obviously, you're you're kind of a unique pitcher in the minors, and I mean, you, you know, your the stats back it up. And just, I guess, we kind of wanted to ask you. I mean, first and foremost, you got the knuckleball. How does it feel just to be kind of the knuckleball pitcher and one of the only ones really in the minors? Honestly, it's pretty cool because I mean, I hear from all my teammates all the time, like, "Oh my god, it's so sick!" Like, knuckleballer, whoa. Um, but I think it's pretty cool. Uh, we actually have another knuckleballer in our system, I think, that we just signed as a free really? agent. That's oh, pretty cool. No way. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously there's Matt Waldron on the Padres. So true. George Kirby decided to throw one the other day, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no way. I missed that. Yeah. That's sick though. I mean, you do have a legit knuckleball. We've seen the videos of it. Your one video went pretty viral, especially like a month or two ago. You know, yeah. just no movement on it and the speed on it, too, which is like pretty outrageous. I don't think we've seen anybody in the majors actually throw something that fast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think in my last outing, I was throwing a little harder overall, but I think I got it up to 88, which is pretty insane. Yeah. Damn. But I'd say the average is probably 84. All right. Yeah, yeah still like, like 88. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't wow. I can't remember anyone even getting close to like the 80s, let alone past wow. that. No, being a, I mean, I was, I'm a Mets fan. And so watching like someone like Ari Dickey, and I know you talked about him on a previous podcast, but he was one of the harder throwing knuckleballers that I remember. Um, but yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I would think I'm might help hold the record. I don't want to say it, Yeah, but I mean, maybe that's the hardest knuckleball, but I don't know. But yeah, Ari Dickey would probably be close second. I, don't, I can't remember like how hard he threw it, but I knew it was, it was pretty hard. Yeah. Compared uh, to- I mean, 88 is definitely harder than he threw. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we know you have the knuckleball, but what would you say is probably one of the more underrated part of your games? Uh, As in pitches or just in general? It, just in general or pitches, whatever you think is like maybe people don't talk about or pay- things that people should talk about. Uh, I think my, my fastball is pretty unique as well. Um, It's got some crazy characteristics, like analytical-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, vertical break's pretty insane on it uh yeah that and maybe in the curveball too because the curveball kind of i throw it hard as well so like with my fastball being i mean 89 to 93 or whatever maybe 94 the curveball has also been pretty hard off of that like 81 80 so yeah yeah and that probably plays up a little bit just with having those those really good breaking pitches probably you know yeah definitely i think so yeah. yeah, it's definitely a unique combo because I feel like more people nowadays are like a knuckle curve or kind of like a hybrid of something. But with you being able to throw a knuckleball, you could probably get some insane grips, holds on a ball where it's like not really, you know, traditional in any way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I throw a knuckleball or a knuckle curve 
Um, I, th- I don't know if that stemmed off of me throwing a knuckleball when I was younger or not, but I can't remember exactly when I started throwing a knuckle curve, but yeah, they go, they kind of go hand in hand. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's like the bridge between like the gap of people who can't quite get the knuckle, but can get that like action on it. But yeah. Yeah, for That's sure. Awesome. All, I mean, it's all in the release. So, yeah. So just talk about, um, I guess you went to UC Santa Barbara. Um, you know, they have, they've had a, you know, quite a few pitchers come through there with some great success at the big league level too. And I guess just talk about how um, the development was at UC Santa Barbara, just kind of refining some of those pitches and, um, you know, making the pitcher, making you the pitcher you are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Santa Barbara was awesome. Uh, I mean, we had access to all of our, our numbers from like TrackMan. We had TrackMan on the main field, which okay. was awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. And then we had uh, Rap Soda for bullpens. So whenever we wanted the data, we could just ask like, oh, is this what it's supposed to be or whatnot? Um and yeah, they kind of made me the pitcher who I am today because I came in throwing two seams, not knowing that I should be a primarily four seam guy. Um, and that changed, really changed how my fastball ended up playing. So like after that change, fastball up in the zone was crazy compared to the two seam that I came in with. And then also added a added a slider there, which is the same, kind of the same grip that I throw now. Um, and then still tinkered around with my changeup, so. Knuckleball didn't really change much. I kind of liked it and just kind of yeah. let me do my thing. So same with the curveball. Curveball didn't really change much. So, yeah. Do you, do you still throw the two-seam at all, or are you just strictly four-seam fastball now just because of how effective it is? Yeah, just strictly four-seam. So that was actually my first bullpen there. Um, started started throwing two-seams, and they're like, hey, try try this four-seam out. I'm like, okay. And then never went back to two-seams after that. So wow, <laughs> I definitely saw the change. That was crazy enough. So, yeah. That is wow. crazy. Uh, we saw earlier this year that you had a combined no hitter, basically, uh, you know, slight error away from being a perfect game. <laughs> That's still yeah. really impressive, though. I mean, can you just like talk about that a little bit? What that experience was like? Yeah, that that was sick. Um, the lone error being on a drop third strike, which is even crazier. It's not even like a like a true error. Um, but yeah, that was awesome. Uh, that day coming in, it was a, it was a Sunday game in the middle of Florida. So it was really hot. No one really wanted to be there. It was <laughs> hot and humid. And uh, that day for myself, I mean, Velo was down. It was like 87 to 89. Just like, you know, just throwing the ball in there, just hit it. Like, let's get out of here. And uh, everything else was in the zone. And they were swinging. And nothing was falling. So, yeah, it was just a good day overall. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Cool. Just to be, yeah, just to be a part of that. And I don't know, is that the first, um, com- you know, combined no hitter or even no hitter you've had? Yeah, that, like in competitive, competitive, yeah. I guess, like in yeah. pro sports. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's nothing awesome. in college, nothing in high school. Um, have you it. any, I guess, being at the level you are now, have you had any effects with um, like the way the robot umps and kind of some of that is working? Have you, you know, has it been different as an adjustment for you? Uh, so we used it in low A. Um, they use it the whole year. So that's kind of where they were using like, like all the new stuff. So like robot umps and the challenges and like the the shift changes where they couldn't like pass a certain point around second. Um, I was all being used in low A, so I was exposed to it early on. Um, I think it was first three days were robot ump and the last three days of the series were challenges or vice versa, something like that. But I mean, for myself, I think the challenges worked the best um, just because 
the zone, like the robot up zone was like kind of weird at times. So like, it could be like off a little bit and like mm-hmm. the hitters could tell and like, they would get the like data back and be like, that wasn't even close, but it <laughs> caught the zone or like something like that. But yeah. So definitely exposed to that early on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chase and I are huge Phillies fans and I was like reading something the other day, Weston Wilson finally made, um, he made the, uh, the roster for the Phillies wild card round pretty special because you know he's like a an older minor league player but he talked a lot about the robot arms helping him as a hitter he uh, I guess he could better understand kind of what the strike zone was and so I didn't know like from a pitching standpoint like I know for catchers sometimes you know the art of framing can be talked about going away but I didn't know like if you were kind of pro against it or if it's kind of one of those things where you're just adjusting to it when you do use the robot yeah definitely adjusting to it because like early on, I feel like how the catcher catches it is a big part. Um, if you get a strike called, so like if you throw a curveball down and they don't really catch it, uh, catch it right, they, it could still be called a strike just because it clipped the zone. So I think that could be helpful. And then along with throwing a knuckleball, I mean, if they <laughs> yeah. handle it and it clips the zone, it's going to be a strike every time. So I guess yeah. that's another thing. So yeah, I yeah, and you'll, you'll see that, that all the time, like in in the pros when they catcher goes across his body it's like the opposite and the pitch is a strike but because of the way the catcher called it it's just um doesn't see it that way yeah exactly or where they're set up or like something like that yeah 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 it's definitely like a major element of the game you know how the ump is and whether or not you're getting calls or not so it was just interesting to hear your perspective versus like i feel like we hear more of it from the hitters of like just recently in the news and stuff coming up and like ryan was saying I think it's a little bit easier for them to pick out a zone versus like you guys where you're trying to like expand it, make it work better, get your pitches in there type deal. Yeah, definitely. So talking about hitters, I mean, we got to ask, do you wish you could hit it all? I mean, I know obviously high school, you're coming up, you're doing both, you know, as a, as a, you know, great to, you know, great player in high school. And then you stop going into college. Do you wish you could ever hit again? Or do you ever wish you could just take some BP? Oh, definitely. I wish I could take BP all the time because <laughs> I actually, so when I got to Santa Barbara, um, I had no idea if I was going to two-way or not. And mm-hmm. I kind of figured I was going to be a pitcher uh, when they sent like the glove orders out and they only sent me one. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just make a pitcher. <laughs> oh, Here we go. Um, but yeah, funny story. Like, so I got there in the fall, didn't hit, um, came back after winter break and they're like, yeah, you want to take BP? I was like, yeah, of course. And then from that time on, it was a COVID shortened season, but from that time on in like January or whatever, um, I was a hitter for, uh, for a little bit. So I got to take BP before the game, um, kind of as like a emergency first baseman if needed. We had some, in- we were dealing with some injuries. So I was kind of last resort first baseman, but yeah, that was kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So do you, do you wish there was still a, you know, not maybe not a DH in both leagues at the major league level? Yeah. At times. Cause I feel like, ah, oh, I could hit still. But yeah. being realistic, I, I mean, no chance. But <laughs> one of the one of my favorite moments as a Mets fan was just seeing Bartolo Colon jack a home run <laughs> sure. in Petco Park. Yeah. Just like yeah. one of the most unlikely things ever. I mean, and that part of the game just kind of is gone. But it would be cool to kind of see some of that. Yeah, because, I mean, those moments are just so insane. Like, especially for the pitchers. Like, it's cool for the pitchers because, I mean, yeah, home run. I mean, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember one time at the Phillies, Charlie Manuel had Cliff Lee pinch hit in a game just out of nowhere late. And it was a decisive at bat too, like late in the game. <laughs> then out Cliff Lee. And I was like, wow, I 
love this and also not sure how I feel about it at the same time. But <laughs> yeah, Adam Wainwright, I mean, he just got his pinch hit, his last at bat. Um, yeah. Last game or whatever. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Do you have a favorite player or team, I guess, growing up or even now? I mean, obviously you're with the Twins organization now, um, but just growing up in, in California, did you have a favorite player, or favorite team? Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. I, I actually grew up as like a, like a Rays fan. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, huh. okay. Yeah. So I was an Evan Longoria fan. So I just kind of followed him around until he left. And then I was kind of just stuck there with the race. So, but yeah, favorite player. Uh, that's tough. Um, growing up, I kind of like Tim Lincecum. He was pretty cool. Kind of oh, got like yeah. the same over the, over the top action. So, yeah. Um, outside of baseball though, are you, what, well, like what other sports are you really interested in? Or if you're not interested in them too, that's okay. But, uh, I mean, a little bit of football, like I'm in some fantasy league, so that's cool. Play, play right. a lot of golf. So, I mean, that's probably the second. Um, nice. But yeah, those are probably the two. Don't really follow basketball that much, but yeah. Yeah. How's your golf game? Are you just like a scratch golfer? Are you above average? Because we're uh, not we're I mean, not really good. <laughs> I'm all right. I mean, I'll shoot from mid 90s to mid 80s. Like that's probably pretty average. Okay. Yeah. Score for me. But yeah. yeah. I have a lot of fun with it. So it's cool. A little better than us. Yeah. Yeah. Shirks <laughs> yeah. up. I could have won our outing two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and, you know, going back to the Rays, I guess they, uh, you know, the cool big new stadium they got so that's kind of neat um but hopefully they can fill some fans in their uh in their park that was that was a little disappointing to see just for baseball in general i think yeah i mean especially with like the playoffs i don't know if you guys have seen like the the attendance numbers but it's like the lowest in like 20 yeah. years, like yeah. a long time i don't remember the exact years but yeah yeah but and i mean the twins you know they got their first win and being a part of an organization like that that's got to also be exciting too yeah that, that was super sick um especially because royce lewis kind of went crazy um he's from southern california so okay. cool oh, nice. yeah. have you met royce before i haven't officially met him but i played him in high school um oh, i think one game and i walked him and then he stole second and then he stole third and then that was it so <laughs> yeah. oh wow that's crazy yeah. it's good to see him healthy because he's he's such a talented player and it seems like he's been you know he's kind of gotten the injury by the last couple of years and you see this year, what he can do as a healthy player. I mean, he could be yeah, like exactly. an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there anyone else, since you mentioned it, like is there any other notable hitters that you faced throughout, I mean, even high school, college, you know, into, you know, the minors now? Is there anyone like like a tough out maybe or like some notable guy that you face you're like, oh, like a little nervous about or anything? Uh, I mean, I faced Brooks Lee, uh, pitched against him <laughs> twice. So, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of guys probably in the minors that I've faced, um, but yeah, none, not one like big, like crazy um, star or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. So we, and we did a little deep dive and we saw that um, you had two brothers and saw that one of them actually got drafted as well. Um, I don't know. We don't know, you know, if you've been in touch at all, but if you've had kind of a similar experience or just kind of um, how that experience has been for you in the minors. Um, well, I would say it's definitely changed since he yeah. was in the minors, like with the new uh, deal with the uh, players agency or whatever. Sure. Um, uh, but yeah, he was with the A's. So I remember him telling me stories of how like bad it like kind of sucked because like mm. the pay wasn't great back then. And like a lot of, a lot has changed, like I said. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah. we're kind of getting lucky now. Um, sure. being a part of what has changed. So yeah. yeah. And I mean, you're not to, 
trash on any other organization, but you're, I mean, the twins organization in general is definitely, I think regarded as a, a better organization than someone like the A's. And, you know, it's, it's cool to get to be put in a situation like that where you have a better chance to succeed. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think overall, I'm sure all the orgs are kind of stepping up their game with uh, sure. like player health and whatnot and yeah. how they live and whatnot. But yeah. No, I guess I saw your, you're turning 23 coming up on Sunday. So early happy birthday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy, happy birthday. The only reason we saw that is because my birthday is on uh, the 8th. So, wow, well, happy <laughs> birthday. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, you know, good luck, uh, you know, as you move forward into the rest of the season and um, next year, hopefully, you know, depending on where you're at, hopefully we can catch a game and yeah. Yeah, we, see you. We really want to come watch you pitch. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, on social media and stuff, everyone knows you as the knuckleballer, but we wanted to have you on because we knew you were more than that, right? And just – I mean, this conversation right here has flowed and we were just so nervous and pumped to have you on. But now now we really just want to see you pitch like in a game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, hopefully yeah. you guys make it out to one. Um, I mean, I don't know where I'm going to start next year, but it's either going to be Cedar Rapids, Wichita. So, yeah, no, I mean, you had nice. you had great numbers and, you know, we all just you know want to say best of luck to you as you move forward in the organization and you know, definitely looking for you to reach the majors um you know get some baseball cards start collecting them you know whatever whatever that looks like awesome yeah thank you yeah yeah much of sex thanks again Corey. thanks for joining us thank you for your time and hopefully we can talk to you again in the future yeah anytime yeah thanks for having me thanks yeah oh yeah you know hope you guys enjoyed that little segment that was just we had an absolute blast doing that interview and we're just walking on cloud nine from that and just you know feeling great so you know, we hope you guys enjoyed that. And hopefully that's the first of many. Yeah. Corey Lewis, an awesome down to earth guy. I mean, I am ultimately a huge Corey Lewis fan. Like this year now, I got to speak with Jason Kelsey and Corey Lewis and by far two of my favorite athletes of 2023. Corey, good luck with your season, the Minnesota Twins. And I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, first show ever. Or not first show ever, first show ever having a guest and the first guest ever having on. I feel like leading into it, all the anticipation definitely was exceeded, uh, you know, what we could have ever guessed was going to go. So that was an awesome interview. And yeah, we really thank Corey for his time, taking it out to talk to us and, you know, get to hear about his story going up. Yeah. And, it, you know, as we, you know, talked a lot of baseball, we're going to just dive right into some more baseball and we got playoff baseball going on right now, going on as we speak. And for you guys, I mean, Philly's looking great. Mets just sulking again for not having signed Zach Wheeler. Um, that's been an absolute fantastic contract for you guys um, in 2019 and just another Wilpon failure, but just, you know, how are you guys feeling? One, only one game in, but, you know, I mean, that's got to, that, that first win in a, in a three game series is huge. Yeah. I mean, the time this airs, you just hope they play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. So I'm just, you know, praying to the baseball gods that this podcast pops out and, you know, the Phillies are heading to the NLDS for year two. Nick Cassianos almost flipped off the entire crowd yesterday. So, of course, there's always some type of drama. But yeah, I mean, overall, they just, I'm excited. Watched a good chunk of the game, game one. Wheeler just seems chase. He just seems like he fits that narrative. Like, you know, the Roy Hallidays, the, the Cliff Lees, like he fits right in there. I mean, I just can't believe the Mets got rid of him. I just, he's so, 
he's such a solid starting pitcher. I mean, he's like one of those classic guys. His velocity isn't crazy, but he hits his spots. Yeah. And he's really efficient too, which I love about him. It's kind of like a throwback pitcher where he's just every everything he does is calculated and it's, you know, precise. And yeah, I, w- I agree. I think it was really big for them to get the win last night, especially behind Wheeler. I mean, he really stepped up and acted like the ace of the or like you know, of the team. Just went out there, dealt strong innings. You know, got a well, had a little bit of a jam, but still got out of it and unscathed. And I got a yeah. So when the Phillies initially signed Wheeler, I was definitely a little skeptical of it, uh, just because I felt like Nola was our guy and he was going to be the number one. And it's a lot of money to pay a number two. But looking back, he's obviously lived up to his money. Obviously, probably a little bit more. And he went out and proved it last night. Whereas Nola, an impending free agent, I don't think is gonna, you know, has as strong of a ground to go off of. He's obviously been good, but I mean, Wheeler's just been pretty unbelievable in his consistency. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, for the Mets, I mean, that was an era I would like to forget. I mean, they had Brody Van Wagen or whatever his name was as their GM with the Will Ponds. He was an agent, and they basically ultimately decided to stick with the combination of Michael Walker and Rick Porcello versus signing Matt versus signing Zach Wheeler. So that's a terrible franchise changing move, but I mean, Wheeler has been great for you guys and, you know, looking to eliminate the Marlins as we're recording this. Um, what's crazy to me is the Marlins that this is, they've been in three postseasons total. This will be, I think their fourth. Um, they've won two of the three times they've been in the postseason. They've won the world series. Yep pretty crazy yeah i remember actually making a big deal out of that the covid year because that was the that was the first year i think they had eight teams from each side Mm -hmm. make it and the first round they did a bunch of best of threes that was the first time we saw you know best of three first round now obviously that's how the wild card works but we were saying that because the marlins won that series too and we were like oh my gosh they're about to go three for three well they didn't but that means that they've only had one loss in elimination game. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But, Chase, I just wanted to quickly touch on the point you made. Not that I'm sad about it, but I'm really just trying to live in the moment as much as possible with this Phillies team right now because two of the longest-tenured Phillies, Aaron Nola and Reese Hoskins, there will definitely be a bunch of question marks around after this season, right? Because Bryce Harper could be – you know, a longtime first baseman and Zach Wheeler, your true number one is Nola want to be a number one somewhere else. I mean, just, I don't, I'm trying not to think about it right now. Cause I love Reese and I love Nola, but yeah, I mean, hoping, hoping to watch another, another fun run for this team. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to put that stuff aside and just think about which team's going to back up bring struck up for Aaron Nola, but you know, good luck to them, whoever that ends up being. And uh, just definitely agree with you. going to ride this one out and see how this uh, postseason plays. No, it's exciting. I mean, exciting for you guys. I'm definitely watching some of the games, and I'm definitely jealous, but enjoy it while <laughs> you can. So is it like football where there's reseeding, or no matter what, does the winner of this series play the Braves? No matter what, they play the Braves. Ooh, so it would be back-to-back years we'd get the Braves in the NLDS. That's crazy. Dang. That's yeah. crazy with two – you go from two – you go to two division opponents too. Yeah. The Phillies and Marlins yeah. never played before. I mean, granted, the Marlins, <laughs> this is only their fourth postseason, so that probably pays the factor. And the Phillies have been bad. <laughs> so it makes sense why they haven't played each other before. But, yeah, that's crazy back-to-back divisional opponents potentially. Yeah, and we talked yeah. a little bit about it off podcast, but I just wanted to touch on, uh, you know, Luis Arias and Pablo Lopez, that one-for-one trade. We discussed it when it went down. 
And I mean, it's worked really well for both teams, Twins and Marlins, two teams going to the year and might not have thought were playoff teams, both made the playoffs. Twins advancing today. Pablo Lopez pitched the game one, at five, I think five and a third scoreless innings, something like that. Um, Arise obviously won the batting title in the NL. So both, you know, has both players have worked out really well for both teams. Yeah, I know. And especially because at the deadline, we brought up about if the Mets would do one for one deals. And I think it's the best way to go. I think you get a surefire person in return. And obviously they traded two major league talents, but it's crazy to see that both teams legitimately had success after making a deal like that to reshape their roster. Yeah. And it was just a need for both teams. I mean, Lopez is a great pitcher, but the Marlins had good pitching depth and <clears throat> they needed that, that extra hitter that can maybe take them the next step and they got it. Yeah. That's awesome. I do just want to touch on real quick. Did you guys see Spencer Strider being interviewed and saying how he'd rather play with no fans? Yeah. He's, Wait, I, don't, what? I don't like Spencer Strider, but that's so funny. I don't know if that's legitimate or if he's pulling the biggest all-time troll job ever. And if he's pulling that, I'm seriously going to hate him for my life. I already hate him. He might but... be trolling, but he, I don't know if he just has a different personality or what also. So, like, I mean, he got wrecked in Philadelphia last year. I mean, so I could see why he hates having fans around, especially if you're playing in a city with 47,000 people that are just destroying you. I mean, Philly's a tough place to play. Yeah. And, I mean, just the way he said it seemed really, like, douchely serious. <laughs> So I was like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe this guy's really serious. Yeah, he hates fans. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of him either, but I also don't like the Braves like more than basically any other team. It's, right now, they're my least favorite team at, as we speak. And so, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if the Phillies do advance, I hope that Spencer Trotter comes to Citizen Bank Park. They'll probably have him pitch not in Citizen Bank Park, but I hope he does come pitches and I hope he gets shelled. But did the MLB yeah. have – did they ever have a stretch during COVID with no fans? Did they do that? Yeah, like, there was no fans that whole year, I think. That's right. So he probably pitched that year. Then I wonder yeah, – that was like, – I think it was his first year. I wonder how his numbers were that year compared to others, like if he actually can back it up with that or not. I mean, granted, it was different. It was a shortened season, so numbers are different because he didn't have as many starts, right? But – I mean, the other thing is not to get into something other, some other stuff, but Ozuna shouldn't even be playing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sell Ozuna shouldn't even, I don't even, he shouldn't even be playing this year or in general. I don't like him. So, one thing yeah, we he's... disagree on that we hate the Braves. Yeah. You know, we got playoff baseball, and I mean, every week got NFL Sundays now. So, you know, I mean, it's just an awesome time in sports in general, but. Uh, you know, Jets, it was actually an exciting game Sunday night, actually made it pretty, you know, pretty interesting. And Zach Wilson played really well, some questionable calls down the stretch. But again, I, that's why I hate watching football in general. How did you hate it more or less seeing Taylor Swift every five seconds and knowing that there was a conspiracy? I'm going to they... cut this out. I don't even <laughs> want to mention her on the podcast. <laughs> this should just be cut out. That holding call against... Oh, against the Jets that they didn't call. They called the they called the Sauce Gardner one, and then the next play, the one of the next plays where the third and long that Patrick Mahomes ran was like that was a really. Bad I just miss. I hate when there, there's these games where they kind of let them play most of the game, and then it comes down to a last drive, and they like call yeah. stuff. That's I if they're not if they're gonna be consistent all game or something, or like throw a ton of flags or not throw any flags, fine. But when you're barely throwing flags and then you throw it like that, that's kind of. Well, and just, the problem is 
we're right back to square one. I was so happy when Brady was finally off the Patriots and gone from the league because we I was done having to hate. But how many times were the Patriots with Tom Brady on the right side of the most controversial call, right? I mean, last year in the Super Bowl, sketchy holding call against the Eagles late in the game. And I know that didn't – I know there was other reasons the Eagles lost the game, but here we go again against – against the Jets facing the Chiefs in prime time, you know, sketchy call right at the end of the game. Like Ben said, they're letting him play all game. Why are you now going to throw the flag? If anything, that was a legal contact. Like, okay, call that. It wasn't like he never held him. And so it just seems like the Chiefs always are on the right side of that call and why they will be the next. I mean, I don't hate Andy Reid as much, but Travis Kelsey, you know, he's definitely more hateable than Gronk and, I don't like Mahomes either. So I mean, I also think it's interesting that Tom Brady invented the tuck rule, and now it's not a rule in the NFL anymore, which I find really fun- hilarious. Yeah. They had to have a rule the entire time Tom Brady was in, and the second he leaves, they get rid of it. It's like, why'd you even have it in the first place? You knew it wasn't the right call. Yep. Yep. And you just botched the Raiders from a playoff win. Justin Tuck, dude. Speaking of he. He Justin Tuck was the Khalil Mack before Khalil Mack, by the way. Any any is that a hot take? Might be a hot take. I, I feel like he was a beast, and then here comes Khalil Mack, and we might as well just touch on him because the man had six sacks this weekend. That was insane, and he started his career on the Raiders too, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and Ben, I know you're a huge Khalil Mack guy. I think all of us love defense almost more than oh, yeah. offense sometimes. Like we like Chase, you love linebackers attack. Like we just, I feel like we all kind of thrive on that. And Khalil Mack having a six sack day in today's NFL, I just feel like that's unheard of. That was awesome. Yeah, it was really rolling back the clock and making up for lost time for playing on subpar teams. But yeah, that was uh, really cool to see for somebody yeah. to. Yeah, he hadn't had double digit sacks in a season since 2018. Last year, only eight sacks, and the year before that, only six. Granted, he only played seven games 2021, but just have six sacks already, and now he's leading the league in sacks and forced fumbles. I think if he were to, you know, I I think he's on the road to being a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's almost – I don't know what the marks are for football the same as, like, baseball, but he's close to 100 sacks in a career, and I don't know, like, if that's a threshold that would get him into that or not. Yeah, I feel like 100 puts you in the conversation for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it feels like it does. I mean, the longevity of – we talk about, like, the average for MLB players is not as long as we thought. And football, I think it's less than five years, right? So, over 100 sacks – like two and a half, I think. Yeah, so (laughs) 100 sacks for a defensive player. Like, I mean, he had some years where he's been injured. He's been on on a lot of bad teams, too, which means that, you know, the offensive – the offense, I mean, like, let's like let's go through like the Raiders and the Bears. Now he's on a competitive team, the Chargers, but still not like a top of the line team. I mean, the Raiders and Bears have had some, and eh, now those Bears teams are bad, yeah. right? So then the offensive lineman, you know, you can double team them, you know, the running backs always getting in his way, like it's a lot harder. And the fact that he's getting close to 100 sacks already, I would say he's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, to be fair, since 2020, besides the 2021 season, he basically played in every single game almost oh my gosh yeah that's crazy and i feel like the 21 21 season just a lot of people think of him as that like he didn't play a lot he's hurt yeah that's it's just that that recency bias yeah and it's not true at all i mean 
he it's like that thing where okay what's their stats on the back of their card because that's probably what they're gonna end up being and he probably is gonna hit all those averages probably cashed a few bonus checks getting six axis early in the season let alone hitting six sacks so Probably. probably buying some nice stuff today yeah is there anything else you guys saw um i mean honestly it, cowboys took care of business yeah oh my goodness i ravens did too yeah the the ravens chase they're looking a lot better i think than you would have thought so far my they're, super bowl pick yeah they're three and one <laughs> and i mean the cowboys it's insane how like they lost Trayvon and then they lost the cardinals and you were like oh no like they're going to kind of fall back down to earth. But no, they instead give Bill Belichick his worst loss of his career. Love to see it. Which, I yeah, you can't not love to see that. And now it just previews one, probably the biggest game so far this year will be Sunday Night Football next week, which it probably would have been Rodgers versus Mahomes this past Sunday. Sorry, Ben. But it will definitely be the Cowboys 49ers this Sunday (laughs) night. And just all of the – I mean – two of the biggest fan bases in the world. And obviously the recent history with the 49ers knocking the Cowboys out the last two years in the postseason. I know Dak Prescott's pissed and I'm glad he's pissed because he's going to have a fire under him. And I don't know. Oh, oh, I wonder what the odds are for Cowboys money line in that game. Cause I do not, I still am unsure about Brock Purdy. CMC has been lights out and, Besides last week, Debo has been also carrying the team. So, all right. So, yeah, Fandle's got Cowboys plus three and a half. Yeah, you're right, Chase. Plus four is just so sketchy because sometimes you get like there's 24, 20 games, 27, 23. Like it can happen a lot. 31, 28, like right around that three to four point mark. But I'm doing it. it. What is it in Dallas or in? It's in San Francisco. It's in San Francisco. It's in San Francisco. So Cowboys are plus four on the plus road. Oh on my Fandle. gosh! Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure there's actually like a thing about that, like a road team that's a uh, four point. Well, yeah, don't the home team gets like if it's pretty even, the home team gets like three points, right? Yeah, they get don't they get three right off. So the it's hand. basically they're calling it basically an even game. Oh yeah. Oh no, I was gonna say I heard something recently though. Like about it, like there's a trend over the last two years about like road teams that are like four point favorites specifically oh. or four point dogs. If you find that, yeah, let us know. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to go back and listen to it. We can yeah. throw it on our, our our social media pages, but oh yeah, I'm not riding the point. I'm riding the money line. Lock it in. Here we go. Dallas Cowboys money line. It's gonna hit this Sunday night. Be ready. And yes, I haven't hit a pick yet in AFR, but if you're following my Titans over seven and a half wins, you already know it's going to smash. They just demolished the Bengals. They're up to two wins now. And yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. So Cowboys money line. Oh, yeah. I like that. You know, looking at this, I'm also going to make a pick quick here. I just hate that the Jets are underdogs against the Broncos. Oh, I I can't stand it. So I'm going to go plus 110 Jets because – the fact that they are giving points to the Broncos is just infuriating. Broncos are they you are go on such money a line? bad team. Yeah, money line plus one ten. The Broncos are trying to find ways to lose games. It doesn't matter. We all agree the Broncos are bad. Yeah, the Broncos are the most donkey team and they will be for the rest of the year. So sorry, Denver, but you might as well just look forward to next year. Possibly getting Caleb Williams, and that'll be the only savior of your town. Yeah. What a I mean, every year I keep saying every year we're every game, it's like, oh, Time for the Broncos, and then Justin Fields played out of his freaking mind last week. It's so crazy. The Broncos will probably finish like seven and ten or eight and nine, but it literally won't matter. 
it won't matter. I like it, Ben. Gents money line and Cowboys money line this Sunday. Lock it in for AFR. Oh, by the way, as I said, that four point underdog thing, the Steelers are coming or at home and they're four point favorites or four point underdogs. Who are they playing? The Ravens. That's a trap game, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And Kenny Pickett got banged up last week. And the Ravens continue to put people on injured reserve. A little bit more going out than there is coming in at the moment. Chase, do the Ravens, I know I always bring up the sketchy fields, but do the Ravens, what kind of field do they play on? Is it turf? No, it's grass. And it used to be turf. And they had a season in like 2016 where they had 17 people, 17 or 18 people go on injured reserve. And the following year, they changed their service to grass. And literally hasn't changed this goddamn thing. Yeah, I was going to say, so this is like, I feel like they're, I don't know. I just feel like every year they're Ravens, like top running backs and top corners are just like all out by like week six. Yeah. And not only that, the only team in the division that has a turf field, I think is Cincinnati. So they get to play mostly on grass when they're playing in the division. Yeah, true. No, I'm just- sure that'll, that'll be a fun game this weekend. That's like, I feel like they're Ravens, Steelers. I don't know. I mean, we talk about all these like long time rivalries, but the fact that John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin have faced each other eight bajillion times just makes it 10 times better. Yeah, two of the longest tenured head coaches in the NFL, and they duke it out. And it's always a good game, like you're saying. It's always a shootout, usually. And this year's shaping up to be the same way. I just wanted to briefly talk about the WNBA. Again, we haven't really talked too much on it, but I did watch a game, um, most of the game, actually, on Friday. And it was the Aces-Wings game two, or game three of the series. So basically semifinals and it was such a it was a really good game wings got up 61 53 becky hammond with a timeout when they were down by eight and then the team literally held the wings to no points for the rest of the game and came back and won by three um just a really good really good outing by aja wilson and um the rest of the team chelsea gray and i think becky hammond is probably going to be considered one of the best coaches in WNBA when all things are said and done. But now the finals are coming up and they are starting Sunday and it's the Liberty and aces, which is kind of the match of everyone wanted one, two, you got Brianna Stewart against Aja Wilson, both two time MVPs, Stewart MVP this year, Wilson defensive player of the year this year, the two best teams in the league going at it. So it'll be a good one. They it's best of five. So I'm excited to actually watch that because there's some good basketball to be played. Is this like, is this like Spurs Heat? Is this like the start of a dynasty, or have these guys played each other before in the finals? Like, is this kind of so, like so the Liberty? This is our first year they kind of formed this super team with Brianna Stewart joining okay. Sabrina Ionescu, and um, so yeah. it's kind of like Spurs Heat, like in a way, like the Heat are coming in, like LeBron, Wade, Bosh. You got your who's your big three on this in this squad for the Liberty? So yeah. the the big three for the Liberty um, is Stewart. You got Ionescu. And then you got a few other really good ones, but okay. you also have um, Jones and Vandersloot. So, yeah, but the, I think the Aces won last year. So, this will be kind of see if they can repeat, but just, just some fun basketball um, as the NBA season hasn't, isn't starting yet. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it comes at a good time of year. It's kind of like the baseball world classic with baseball, 
Like, I feel like it gets you like pumped for the sport. Cause I know college basketball starts really soon too. And that's always a little, maybe around or a little bit before the NBA, but it's cool that the WNBA has their season when it does. I mean, it's a good time to do it. I'm sure the numbers kind of go down once like football starts, of course, like anything, but you know, the MLB deals with it and it's fine. So yeah. Collect both those teams, Ben. Who are you rooting for? Do you have a pick or I mean I'm gonna be rooting for New York just because That's right. I forgot you have like five teams in no, this league that you root for. No. Connecticut's number one, New York's number two. Okay. And then I follow the wings because I have some like cards and stuff, but that's that's the one two. Just like you have a one two, Cowboys, Eagles. Yeah, I do. <laughs> just like you have a one two, Mets, Orioles, and we're done. Hope everyone <laughs> had a good po- have a, had a good day. We're uh, we're gonna sign out. <laughs> um, great, great podcast. Fr. <laughs> uh, no, but we re- we really had a good good one today. Yeah. Um, great guest, Corey. Again, <laughs> thanks for coming on, and you know it was fun to talk to you and. Just be on the lookout for more guests. We're definitely going to post that on all of our socials. And we're going to post that separate too. So if you guys just want to watch the interview and listen to that, you definitely can. Um, But yeah, we appreciate everyone listening, watching, subscribe, like, follow, all the things on socials. And we'll uh, check you guys next week. Yeah, have a good one, everyone. Thanks again, Corey. Deuces.